Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, listeners, and uh, welcome to this live broadcast on CIO Talk Network. To uh, learn more, please visit uh, www.ciotalknetwork.com. Follow uh, the discussion on Twitter today using the hashtags uh, TeamIT and hashtag win. And the topic for today is winning first in the IT locker room. And the guest for today's show is Jim Smith, who is the CIO with the Office of Information Technology, State of Maine. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much for uh, being on our show. So the topic we picked up today was coming from the notion where as leaders, we always think, yes, we have to do our job of leading the troops. And as part of it, we feel that first and most important thing is to build a culture. Nothing wrong with that. But is that where things stop? Some of them think that, okay, if you have a great culture, I've had many shows in the past where whenever we talk leadership, they say the focus is to build a culture. But then that doesn't really get everyone in the team to their maximum performance. And if they don't become the best they can be within that locker room, if you will, with this, the same mindset, how would we deliver the maximum we could to the business? With that said, we wanted to explore the different areas which are also to be considered besides building a culture. So that's my first question for you, Jim, is that traditional leadership wisdom says we focus on culture and then rest will fall in, the pl- fall in place. What do you think are the issues with that notion and what leakages does it cause if we just stick to just building a culture alone? Well, I think, you know, the initial premise is correct. I think you've got to get the culture right. You've got to get, you know, people on the bus moving in the same direction. But, you know, as much as we talk about this and there's studies being done and things like that, it's probably the hottest thing we do. I mean, you know, back in the day when I was in the financial world, I mean, state government now, but I was in the financial world, and back in the days you do mergers and acquisitions, you know, you'd always say, well, we've got to get the culture right. But that was the tricky part. I don't think we ever quite got that. You know, if you had a big... Uh, you know, sort of legacy organization, a big uh, company buying a smaller one that might have been entrepreneurial. How do you fit that together? How do you get people that say, you know, people in a small company might do every job and they might be, they're touching everything, production, test, everything they do, they do it all. And then all of a sudden you go into a big organization, which is you know, over the years become more risk averse. And so there are checkpoints and gateways and stuff and say, well, no, you got to go through the, these 10 bureaucratic steps to get there. Well, you know, in my experience with different companies, not everybody makes it, right? Not everybody is happy staying there after that merger. You know, you get a lot of turnover after a year after a merger just because you have you are trying to crash combined cultures and it doesn't always work. I think that, uh, you know, as we think about culture and the challenges today, I think we sort of start with this uh, with this thought. We have five different generations in the workforce now, you know, millennials through baby boomers. You know, do they all react to the same division, strategy, and message? No, of course not. I mean, one difference we see constantly, to show empo- employees look for change, new appro- approaches. You know, some employees really say, I want to be on the cutting edge. I want to make change. I want to, I want to do things differently. I can see how to do things differently. Then you have other groups that, that may say, well, no, the status quo has worked for years, and we want to continue that. So you have that sort of tug and pull going back and forth, and I think the challenge is, how do you get the consistent message to different listeners, to people that are hearing your message differently? I think there'll be leakage, of course, but 
I think the theme in our discussion today will really be about communication interaction, giving people a chance to discuss, to challenge, to, and to embrace where you're trying to go. So does it remain like a hazy science or a partial, uh, I would say more, more of an art form where you say, okay, I'm going to sit inside the locker room and, and remove the so-called leader hat and wear a coach's hat where you're actively involved and you are responsible for their individual's performance as well and not just the end result? Well, I think that's, I think that's aspirational. I, I think that's a, you know, a, the right direction. In practicality, when you know you have five or six hundred people in the, in your organization, it's harder to do that. You have to rely on your team and the team below your team and things like that. I think it's definitely the right direction to go. We do a lot with uh, mentorships and working relationships, those type of things, and sort of getting everyone to sort of pulling in the same direction. But uh, it's a challenge, and and you know there's a there's a tipping point at some point where, you know, you're the leader and you're sort of saying, well, this is the direction we're going and versus, you know, that coach that says, let's work together to get there. We have to do both things, but you know, it's a, it's a challenge, I think. So the assumption that, you know, in your response was that you have to do it alone, but you have the opportunity to build a hierarchy and then be the coach to that second in command, the second guys, second in command guys uh, deal with the third in command and eventually the people who are supposed to be in the field. And all of them are essentially delivering to technology, uh, delivering technology to the business. So, so that said, you don't have to assume you did not have to be the lone warrior or the Hercules who has to do it all as an individual coach, but you had a sub-coach and sub-sub-coach. Would that type of an approach work? Oh, definitely, and then that's you know that's a requirement. You have to get that. You have to get your team on board and, and move through the organization. I think that one of the keys here, really, you know, if you assume change is constant, we understand that. You know, in, in the IT organization, the business requirements change, technology changes. We're always changing. The world we we entered, you know, 30 years ago is not what the world is today. Things are done differently. It's different tools, different people, etc. You have to understand change is constant. So you say, okay. How can I set out a vision, and can that vision be realistic? And not a not a thirty page vision, but a one page vision. Can you get down to these are the things we need as a team to embrace? And then you say, now how do I find find apostles within the organization that are really going to be out there embracing and selling that vision? I mean, one example is we've over the last couple of years we've gone to an agile methodology. You know, we were a waterfall shop for years. Now we're going to, to an agile methodology. Well, how do you do that? That's a, that's a big cultural change, both for the technologist and for your business partners. That's a, a different way to do things. You know, you get to stand-up meetings and, and you know, um, sprints and things like that. Whole different world. And so the way you have to do that is you start out small, help, help people learn, embrace, and sell the vision. You start out small, you start building some successes, and I think those build upon themselves. But I think in that case in particular, you can't be sort of on the mountaintop dictating thou shall go to Agile. You have to build it within the organization. You have to convince people why you're going to go that way and then get out those apostles out there and identify those apostles and give them the power and ability to influence the organization. So imagine you as a leader uh, are, are, as you rightly said, that you cannot be just at the top and doing it. You have to build an organization who will do it. But then even they, if they feel, I have to just focus on the culture versus 
working towards making sure that each person in the team, eventually who's actually delivering, is an independent thinker, but also is ready to work with the team. And they are, their different beliefs, mindsets, systems, etc. whatever they bring to the table are at least aligning or converging. How do you how do you ensure that also works? So are you rolling all of that that up into culture because that's not purely just culture issue? Yeah, I think that maybe goes back to our, our comment about the different generations in the in the workforce and everything. And you know, you're exactly right. You know what mo- what might motivate you know a baby boomer might be different from a, a millennium millennial, but you need them in many ways to be pulling in the same direction. But I would contend that um, in some ways the problem solves itself because, you know, we as an organization, and I think most IT organizations around are like this, especially bigger ones, you're living in two worlds, right? We're living in a legacy world. We have some applications and processes 35 years old, and then you have obviously a new world of of big data and mobile applications and remote workers and things like that. And you say, okay, now I have to live in both worlds. I'm going to need skill sets in both worlds. So I'm going to need sort of a traditional skill set. And then I'm going to need a skill set that embraces, you know, whether it's cloud or whether it's software as a service or those type of things, embraces a different way to get work done. So in all cases, you see, you need to people that want to, you know, make the progress, make things more efficient, move forward at all times, but there might be different ways to get there. So as you talk about culture, I think you have to embrace that. You have to understand that, okay, there's, there's different factors to that culture question because we have different resources in the workforce. Okay, so then if you are looking at uh, the different ways organizations are trying to handle it and the way you handle it, how do you measure what really brought you an incremental improvement in what got delivered because that's what we are talking about here so so we can do the soft talk but it's like you know predicting weather so i tried uh to predict weather it did not work out i did not lose my job but leader cannot afford to do it because you're being measured on the results and and if you have if you're using that room if you will the the fuzziness in the in the result that you promise and then somehow you're able to work through it, then that's okay. But that's really not doing justice to what IT could have otherwise delivered. So this discussion is not about how somebody can be a leader and still be there and workers still be there. We talk about maximizing the output. Well, um, I think you're right on that. It's it's um, It goes back to that that question you sort of started with, is it an organizational question? Is it hierarchy? Is it top-down? Or is it more than that? And I think uh, I think most organizations today would say it's much more than that. It's not that sort of dictation, you know, dictum from the mountain, as we talked about before. It's how do I ingrain that? How do I move people forward? And I think that, uh, I think sometimes it's, you know, you can do an outside, you can do a spot check. Sometimes we'll bring in outside agencies to help us or outside businesses. We recently had a, we have a very big project going on in one of our agencies. It's going to be multi-year, involve um, changing the culture of among probably a thousand resources. And so what we've done is we brought in some outside experts and say, okay, you know, every once in a while you need a tune-up. How do we think about change? How do we think about culture and things like that? And you know, they bring the sort of typical things like you know blogs and newsletters and training videos and things like that. And and, you know, discussion sessions and things like that. But sometimes you just need that refresher to say, what are the best practices out there? How do I, how do I move an organization from A to B? And can you help me with that journey? I think that, 
you know, so you do it. Sometimes it's a big bang approach like it would be with this. And sometimes it's a softer approach like we do in Agile or we do a lot of uh, business process management here. We say, okay, I'm going to start with a pilot. I'm going to find my my real um, stakeholders, my real apostles, and I'm going to build it from the bottom up. And obviously, you know, when you can build it from the bottom up, you know, you get a lot of strength. You get a lot of... Uh, buy-in from the organization. Not always possible, but it's great when you can take the time and do it that way. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back, and let's talk about commitment. So if culture is not able to ensure 100% commitment, what does? And if sometimes when we talk about commitment, it can be interpreted or it can be heard as having to make sacrifice, and that really doesn't really always resonate well. So is it? how do you end up developing commitment in everyone in the team for it to maximize value? Again, somehow, somewhere, we will be able to deliver results, which may be not at 110% that we aspire for, but if we had 100% commitment, perhaps we can get there. So big question, how to get the commitment going, how do you not let it be interpreted or misinterpreted as sacrifice? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. Um, so, Jim, when we look at commitment as the word, uh, which you are, of course, expecting that everyone in the team is committed, but then we don't know how much. And if we don't know how much, then we are kind of living with that fuzzy factor of some leakage happening, but we have to live with it. But then what can we do to introduce or at least strive towards that 100% commitment and not be that be seen as a sacrifice? Yeah, thank you. And I, I think part of that goes back to some of our earlier discussion about do you build change from the bottom up or do you sort of pronounce it from the mountaintop? I think on the commitment side, I think the first thing you really have to understand in your organization, do you have the right people on the bus? Are people uh, willing to pull in the same direction? Do they want the same things you want? Do they sort of understand where the organization goes? I mean, you can set the vision, but people still have to be committed to that thing. And I think how do you go from, you know, how do you prevent commitment from just being a, a sacrifice? I think part of that starts, or a lot of that starts with just the workforce. Who are the leaders? Who are the visionaries? Who will lead the different, who will lead the journey? All different levels of the organization. You know, we talked a little bit before about living in, in multiple worlds, and that's what we're seeing now. And that multiple worlds requires multiple resources and multiple thought processes. I mean, the 
what we do in the legacy world today is different from what we're doing in a, in a more modern sort of mobile open data type of world. Those are different skill sets. I mean, directionally, we're still saying, well, we want to build efficiency. We want to get better at what we're doing. We want to digitize. And, you know, we're in state government, so we have customers, our citizens, who expect their experience with the state government to be the same it would be with an eBay or one of those. And, you know, that's a big challenge for us. We have a lot of work to do to get there. It takes time and money. And, it, and quite frankly, it takes people, it takes resources that are experienced with that and experienced with probably a different way of thinking from, you know, our old world was, you know, paper moved around through the organization for, for months. You could have a a vendor bill that might come in and it might take 60 days to process. Well, people don't want to live in that world anymore. They want to submit their bill and then they want to go online and say, where is my bill? And so if you sort of think of this thing through, how do you go from, how do you prevent commitment from being just a sacrifice? I think if we go back to, I talked earlier about, you know, we embraced an agile methodology. We believe it's the right way. But, you know, at the same time, you know, when we talk about this foot in both worlds, we don't believe it's right for every project currently because you have to find the right team. You have to find people comfortable with a whole different way about thinking how to get work done, thinking about sprints and stand-up meetings and stuff. Not everyone's comfortable with that. Or you might have a project run by a, a vendor, and all of a sudden, if they've never done Agile, the work, you, know, you don't want to go down that route. You say, well, no, do the traditional waterfall. So we have a vision. We have a direction we're going but we understand that it's not all-encompassing immediately. You got to work. You got to work. That's the work part. You got to work to get the culture, and get the resources there. So, so we use the work culture, and which is fine. Now, let's talk about the belief system. That's not something that people are really developing now. They are adults, professionals who are coming into your organization to do a certain job. But the way they look at individual personalities, the the way they are going to like or not like someone, all of those things actually do matter when you're trying to deliver as individuals and as a team. So what can you do so that you can really work towards an alignment and convergence of the team which is put together? Do you hire keeping that in mind or is there a magic uh, pill that you have which will allow people to align and converge their uh, belief systems which have been developed over the years? Well, I think that's a great question, uh, you know, and I agree. And I think it goes back to the multiple generations in the workforce. The millennials probably have a different belief system than, you know, us baby boomers. It's a, it's a different world. The hierarchy is different. Uh, sort of, you know, I came from a world of certainly command and control. And, you know, as we first started going down the agile approach and all of a sudden you had self-governing teams. I mean, for someone like me, you know, I had to sort of swallow hot and say, well, you know, I'd have long discussions say, well, what if a team member's not performing? What do you do? And they, the, the people would come back and say, no, we, we govern that. We, we'll take care of that within the team. And, you know, for someone that's a, an older person like I am that's used to that sort of straight hierarchy of right down from the CIO all the way down to team leads and all that stuff, you sort of say, well, I'm not sure on that. And so what you have to do at some point you have to take a leap of faith, right? You have to say, well, let's go do it and see what happens. It's working for companies, so why shouldn't it work for us? So let's go do that. So, you know, I think that's an example of, you know, I have one belief system or one sort of uh, environmental belief system that I've, I've had my 30 or 40 years in this industry, and that's being challenged. But you have to be open to that kind of challenge. And I think whether you're a millennial or a baby boomer, you're going to have to say, 
I've got to have an open mind. I've got to approach these things the right way. We, as as leaders, have to understand there will be different belief systems out there. And I think as we try to ingrain it, I mean, a couple of things, you know, we do. We do a lot with mentorships. We do a lot with interns. Made that very formal. There's a great mentorship between the interns and, and the older, um, you know, resource that's already here. What we found, though, is that, um, you know, that benefits both sides. Both sides love to, people love to be mentors, right? You get the right people, and they love to say, this is how we do it. They love to share knowledge. They love to bring younger people up to speed and stuff. So, you know, we're finding that's a, a win-win. And we do things like... Um, you know, how do you get people on the bus? Well, we do, as I said, we have a big intern program, but we also do more than that. We'll do, we recently had what we call an intern challenge. We gave a, a business problem to a group of interns, gave them a mentor, and say, and our, our business problem was about how do you recruit in the modern world? How do you get away from paper applications? You get to social media, all those kind of things. How do you attract the younger workforce? So obviously we put younger people on that, that issue. said, go research what other people are doing. Go find some best practices. Come back. And what we did, when they came back with a proposal, we vetted it through our organization. But then we had them present to the governor. Now, if you think about that, a, a, a student in college all of a sudden getting a chance to present to the governor of a state, that's very exciting. But it's not just exciting for the team. Other people sort of grab onto that and say, oh, something exciting is happening here. How do we think about this? And so, you know, there are just different ways to build excitement throughout the organization and combine those belief systems. Now, that uh, the, the thing which you just mentioned, which also requires a good amount of communication that is happening among uh, different constituents. It could be within the team, with the bosses, and with you. So when we look at communication, it has always been seen as, okay, how is the leader communicating top-down or the communication from bottom-up? But there is a lateral communication also important on a regular basis, and we really don't know how that communication is being carried out when the two people at a water cooler or four, four, four colleagues are hanging out with each other. We're not trying to pry into their private conversations, but at least if the, the the quality of communication is not good, that's also impacting somewhere on what eventually will get delivered. How do you handle that? How do you improve it? Well, I think the first acknowledgement is that communication is hard, right? Communication is work. You have to think about it. You have to, you ha it has to be part of your daily culture. And, you know, I'd be the first one to stand up and say, you know, we could improve it. And I think probably most organizations, people would stand up and say, oh, we could improve our communication. You always think you do enough, but, you know, it's like they say, you know, say it seven times. You probably don't do enough because you put out your vision, you put out your strategy. And then, you know, people are uncertain about that. They need that ability to discuss it. They need some area, some venue to say, well, I'm not, I don't understand what this means. What it tells me with this. And, you know, I started with the example of a large project we were doing and bringing in the outside experts to talk about change management and communication, blogs and videos and newsletters and stuff. I think that's one side of it. The other side of it is that how do you how do you build it within the culture so that all parts of the organization are talking about that from the from the new entry level resources all the way through your senior level management? How do you get that conversation going? And that takes a lot of work, and we, we do work at it. I probably don't do it enough, but we do work at it. I saw an example recently: the CIO of Illinois is a new CIO there coming in. He's doing some real culture changes there. He's really moving the organization forward, and 
fascinating because he puts out a daily blog. He puts out a public daily blog. This is what we're thinking about. This is why we're doing this. You know, not a long thing, maybe a page or so. And I'm thinking, boy, that is really a great way to communicate. He's he's sharing with his whole organization and even people beyond that, why are we doing this and what are we thinking about and what are the challenges we're going to see. So I think you're exactly right. It goes back to those original comments here. This is about giving people, you know, communicating and give people the chance to interact and sort of sort of digest all this information and, and internalize it. But it's a lot of work and it's a constant job. And you are looking at the ability for people to communicate effectively. That's one. But then when we come to feel connected with each other, and connection means they really feel that this person has the right job and I can work with this person. The person has the right intention. And I really like that person. All of these two or three things form that connection between the two. Do you think you, you can realistically impact that? Well, I think if you have the right foundation, I think if you give people the right opportunities, that will come. I mean... One of the things I think is very important is to get teams to have cross-discipline meetings. You know, the teams need a chance to understand, get to know, and work with each other. And, you know, it's difficult in this world. It's difficult in a world where you may have remote workers and things like that, and people may not be in the same location. But it's important to give people the opportunity to meet and get to know each other. I remember as I was in an insurance company years ago, and we were doing our year 2000 project, as everyone did, and... We're starting to bring teams together, and somebody said to me, I never met with that team before. I've been here 20 years and never met with that team. And you just go back and you think about that and you say, well, how do you build an organization if you don't have that level of communication? So what we try to do, I don't know if we're 100% successful, but we do try to make some effort to have cross-discipline meetings, people that wouldn't necessarily get a chance to meet with each other. Let's get them together, and let's have a lot of skip-level meetings. Let's have different levels of the organization talking to different levels, right? And just, you know, do we bring all the interns in and let them have a conversation with all our senior managers, that type of thing. People that don't necessarily get a chance to work together, let's find ways to help them work together. And, you know, it's that old that old uh, belief that innovation is going to come from a lot of different areas in the organization. you just got to give people the voice and the opportunity there. So I think you're right, but I think to get people connected, I think it's really giving them the opportunity and the venue to work together. So if you are looking at whatever you have done so far and the kind of efforts that you put in with respect to whether building culture or trying to get them to feel committed and or try to feel connected, what have you seen happening which you feel either was a result of your effort and then what do you see is something you have not been able to control? Well, I think on the on the positive side, you know, there's sometimes you can feel the energy in an organization and, and people get excited about something. One of the things we did, we're going to do our fourth one uh, next week as we do a high school technology night where we bring in high school students and teach them a little bit about what we do, what our careers are, you know, what opportunities there are in technology. And if you think about it, um, a lot of high school students and, and their parents and stuff have no idea really what's going on from a technology perspective. They have no idea the opportunities out there, the different disciplines you can do, you know, all the way from a developer to a network person to a QA person, all these type, different types of disciplines we need in the industry. And obviously this is a, a reaction to the baby boomers retiring and we're trying to work with other organizations in the state, get more and more people into to considering computer science as, as a 
as a possible pathway. But to go back to the original premise, so we did that technique. We've done this is the fourth one coming up. And the excitement that builds in the employees when they have a chance to go for three hours and work with high school students and we do a cyber exercise and we do a, a quick uh, development exercise, those type of things, but they get to share that information. And of course, as you know, it takes you know, months of planning to get all these schools in here, get all the things put together, get all the technical demonstrations done and everything. But people get so excited about that. And so I think that's where you see that type of excitement building, right? And you can feel the excitement among the employees, and it gives them something to step out of their comfort zone, but to share their expertise. And people love doing that. And if you can give people that opportunity to say, you know what, we really value what you're doing. We want you to share that information. And, you know, what you do is important, whether it might be in a, a cybersecurity professional or a project manager who, you know, might not normally get any public sort of uh, notice of what they do, but you give them the opportunity, and all of a sudden there's a lot of excitement. You can actually feel the, feel the excitement build within the organization. So on the success side, it's those type of things. Are there projects? Are there things? Are there ways we can take people's expertise and give them a chance to share that? And I think we've seen great success with that. We have a lot of people volunteer to work on that. We get a lot of excitement around that. We're really looking forward to that. On the other side, on you know, where haven't you been successful? I think some of that's, you know, an assessment, right? Um, you know, I talked about Agile in the beginning and, you know, where it's been successful and, and where it hasn't. And we found where we've run into problems is if we, did a, we didn't do a good assessment on the people involved. In other words, if the people aren't on the bus with you, it can be a challenge. And we've had some challenges there with some of the smaller projects. We said, uh, this part of the organization really wasn't ready for that change. Maybe it's needed more training or needed more time. You know, we sort of jumped in with both feet, even though being a small pilot project, and we found some growing pain. So I think that probably goes back to training and communication. When we talk about branding, let's take a quick break, first of all, Lester's. When we come back, let's talk about the way IT delivers results, and to some extent, it also depends on the type of branding of how IT is seen by the other constituents, which in turn is dependent on how consistently we deliver results at an acceptable or a quality that exceeds expectations. So the key word here is consistency. When we talk about getting inside the locker room and working on different aspects, one of the things which we want to do is it's not a sign curve that when we do hooray in one and then we are, we are seen as people who totally drop the ball. How do we ensure consistency in all things we do and at the same time incrementally improve quality project after project. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, we talked about consistency. We do not want 
any time when we, on one hand, are given pat on the back of a great job done, and on the other hand, brought inside a room and being scolded about why did we totally mess up. And that is a nightmare for any leader to go through this roller coaster. So how do you prevent that, Jim? Well, I, great question. I don't know if you can prevent it, you know, because what we do is very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of uh, complexity to it all the way from, you know, uh, requirements through testing, through development, all this kind of stuff, through integrating multiple packages and this world today where we're, you know, doing cloud-based uh, endeavors and we're doing software as a service. The whole world is changing under our feet there. So it's hard not to have some, you know, some challenges. You're going to have successes and you're going to have some challenges. And I think that idea of consistency is is exactly right. You know, how, how do you get there? As you think about a, an IT organization, you think, well, you know, I think about it as three things. You know, you keep the lights on. I get, you, people got to come in to, every day and be able to access their, their network, get on the Internet, all those kind of things, be able to do their work, right? So that's sort of that keep the lights on. And then for us today, we have a evolving world we always had on the risk management side we always had you know disaster recovery and things like that but the whole cyber security thing has just changed the game enormously so we have you know keep the lights on risk management and the third leg of my stool would be you know development how do you move an organization forward how do you go from a to b how do you how do you bring efficiency in how do you take things that you know used to take 40 hours and get them down to four hours those type of things and I think, Sanjay, that you're going to have some, you're going to see some issues there, right? So you try to get consistency on project management. That's why we do agile, so we have predictable results, so we know we're going to deliver in small incremental steps so you don't have the project that goes for two years and all of a sudden you pull the plug and say, whoops, that's never going to work. So we try to get away from that. But I think you're definitely going to have the the pilots and the ups and downs where you may have some challenges. I think the the point on that is, Make sure you get the right business partner with you and do it with the right people and make sure that you know you understand when when it's a pilot and when there are lessons to be learned and and you know in general obviously you got to you know you, the majority of things have to move forward everything has to move forward but I think it's probably not realistic to think everything's going to be a hundred percent success you just have to have the right right people and the right understanding to say we're going to learn from this you know you take just going to the cloud right going to the cloud is new for organizations and you know you talk about the Gartner hype cycle and you know where we all thought we would be uh, you know we certainly in the state of Maine have a cloud first approach a philosophy that says if we're doing something new let's decide why it would not be in the cloud. We don't want to we don't want to promote more on-premise things. We want to we believe that the industry is going in the right direction and that there'll be expertise and, and cloud providers that we may not have. But it brings up a whole slew of things we may never have thought about before. Their disaster recovery, their cybersecurity, their performance, so how do we bring legacy systems to the cloud, all those type of things. So if you look at any of those things, cloud, software as a service, they're all new things for us. And we're not going to get out of the, we're not going to get it right every time out of the box. So I think that's that's part of an understanding that this is complex stuff. We're going to do the best. We're going to, you know, minimize risk. But at some point, we will have some challenges, I think. So if you are looking at everything else that is going on in a given, uh, at a given moment, what are you doing to make sure that they are getting the required, I'd say, support and um, blessing from the business and, and 
also the business unit leaders who they are trying to serve so that they are not feeling that they are uh, being thrown into the swimming pool without floaters. Yeah, well, that that is a challenge, obviously. And, you know, it comes back to, you know, what does an IT organization do? And I talked about the three things before, but the other part of that is an IT organization has to be a strategic business partner, right? The business has X amount of th- X things they have to get done. We have to come in with other different solutions, are there different ways to do it. How is the industry evolving? Are there things we can lead, lead with as strategists, as visionaries? But you're right. How do you prevent that from becoming – you don't want that to become a negative. You don't want to just – you know, certainly in a state organization, we're not, we're not going to be on the cutting edge ever because we're going to say something has to be proven before we're going to go out and do it. But we have to be cognizant of what's going on in the industry, whether it's Agile, whether it's BPM, whether it's any of those types, you know, a network, um, software network, 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 software-driven network, those type of things. These type of changes that come in the industry, we have to bring those along. And to go back to your original point, how do you prevent people from being thrown under the bus? I think it's that education and communication. You've got to meet with your business partner and say, here's our vision. You've got to share the vision with them. You know, I, I have sort of fun with my staff because you know, I've got a vision down to brief enough that it can fit on a name uh, place card, you know, and I got, you know, five things, business process management, agile delivers, delivery, legacy modernization, risk management, and workforce development. Those are sort of the five legs of our stool, all under the, the superstructure of enterprise strategy. So we build things once and use them many. A state government has many different agencies that get different sources of funding, so you might end up with you know, multiple licensing systems or imaging systems or things like that. So we say, well, no, that's not the right way to go. We've got to think about spending citizen tax dollars once and getting multiple uses out of that. And so all those type of things, as you start to build your vision and your strategy, and you sit down with your business partners and find out who's on the bus with you and say, yeah, this is the right direction. Let's go that way. And then you have to understand, as you said before, there's going to be some bumps along the road, and we're going to make sure that the resources don't get thrown under the bus, that we, in fact, work with them all and help understand why we're doing something and the fact that there may be some glitches. But how do you work through the glitches, right? You're going to have glitches. You're going to have challenges. I think that the question is, how do you work through those, and can you be adroit and agile enough to get to the end goal? So all of us in our professional lives, we have a set of people we work with, and then we have our personal life where we hang out with our buddies. And we cannot really force someone to become buddies with people at work. But at the same time, without that camaraderie, you know that the ability of two people or a group of people to really ignore each other's shortcomings and move ahead as a team is significantly undermined if that camaraderie is missing. How do you foster that? Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, even even more of a question as you get to remote workforces and different, you know, different geographical locations and things. I think that's always a challenge. I think, you know, we try to, I mentioned a couple of things we did, the intern challenge, the tech night, those type of things. We try to find venues where people can work together and might be on something sort of outside the mainstream as those two are, or it might be, you know, we've got a huge project for maybe the Department of Health and Human Services it might be a, a three-year project involving, you know, 400 people. How do you keep all those people sort of rowing in the same direction? And that's a challenge. I mean, it goes back to communication is a challenge because you got to, you know, a million other things to do, and then I think, oh, I got to communicate too. So, how do I find time to do that? I think you have to put together 
some venues where people can do the have that kind of sharing. Whether it's you know, as I mentioned before, us the senior management meeting with the mentors and just an, uh, excuse me, meeting with interns and just an open session and say, okay, let's just talk about business. Let's just talk about what you're seeing. Let's talk about some of the barriers you're seeing. Let's talk about as older people going through us our um, careers. How do we get here and what do you want to do and how do you get there? And building that sort of social aspect. I think that, uh, you know, I think social media plays a part on that. I mean, we have different ways to communicate with people that we didn't have years ago. And, you know, whether it's within the organization or people you knew before or whatever, there's a lot of uh, sharing of information and sharing of opinions and, and thoughts that I think really help. But I think it is a challenge. How do you get everyone sort of buying into that same team approach because they, as we said before, they come from different they come from different backgrounds and different value systems and belief systems. How do we get everyone sort of pulling in the same direction? Is a challenge because you're right. You can't you can't force people to sort of you know want to be best friends or anything like that. But I think if you give people the opportunity to work together and meet together, I think you see a lot come out of that. And if you can ever throw pizza in, that always works. So, so you essentially, of course, are recognizing that it's a challenge. What has been tried, in your view, to get over this buddy building challenge? So you mentioned pizza always works. Of course, I'd agree with that. But then besides that, how much opportunity do we offer in terms of, say, breathing room? So while you're working you know, 25 hours in a day, is that what is causing them to not be able to spend the time with someone to build a relationship? Is that an issue? So we can give some breathing room and so people can hang out a little bit more outside of work or even at work, not thinking work. Would that help? Because you, you know the benefit of it. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that, uh, you know, the blessing and the curse of social media and, and things like that, it, you're exactly right. People are working a lot of hours a day because, you know, it really sort of got beyond that work-life balance where you just, you assume that if you have a, a problem or a question at 10 o'clock at night that someone's going to be able to respond to you so the expectations have just gone through the roof just uh, unbelievable and it's it's a real challenge i can't i can't say we've solved that i think it's a real challenge how do i how do i give people back their their lives you know their work-life balance i mean you have a you know in an organization last summer that i think worked every weekend and they just say well no that's not sustainable how do you how do you what do you do about that and so i think part of it is are there tools, are there software, are other ways to do things to make us, our own organization, not just the business, but to make our own organization more efficient, you know, that, uh, you know, shoes for the cobbler's son type of thing. How do we take care of ourselves in the same way? Um, we do a lot of things socially. We do, you know, you know, we have uh, get-togethers outside of work, things like that. But, you know, you can only take that so far. And, of course, that you know, people do have lives, and so you sort of, all of a sudden you're saying, well, let's get get together this night after work. Well, people have other things they need to do and responsibilities and stuff. So you don't want to overdo that, but, you know, we have X number of off-site meetings, things like that. Just get away from the office. Let's just sit down and let's just let's just think for a while. Let's brainstorm together for a while. And I think that, that really helps to build teams. I think that really builds an organization. So uh, if you are to, let's take a first, uh, a, a quick break, listeners, when we come back, and let's talk about the word care, right? We talked about consistency. We spoke about communication, commitment. Seems like all C's are coming out. But then when we talk about care, that means that that caring has to be developed in such a way so that people think that you think about them as human beings 
or each worker thinks about the other person first as a human being and then as a fellow worker. And that caring goes a long way because then people are willing to go over and beyond what their so-called responsibilities are. How do you instill the feeling of a genuine, authentic care among the team members so that within the locker room, these guys are doing high five and also are there to help each other out? Now, that's what you would like to see happen, but how do you instill that feeling of authentic care within the team. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, we're talking about care that when people care for each other, they go to bat for them, they help them out, and then teamwork or team performance or camaraderie, those things come naturally. So perhaps if there was a way to instill that humanity or humanizing the very work that you do, a lot of these problems could be solved. But what's the challenge in that? Well, I, I think that's that's a very, very important thing. I think that caring for oneself, you know, it comes back. We talk a lot about respect, you know, respecting each other and making sure we, we're treating each other how we want to be treated. We, you know, we have this saying, you know, let's assume positive intent, whether it's us or, or a business partner or whatever. You know, things get tense when, you know, deadlines are approaching or there's a production problem and stuff and people can get very quick with their answers and stuff. But we always got to say, let's assume positive intent. Let's assume we're all sort of moving in the, in the same direction. I think that, that idea of teamwork, though, you know, it's, it's sort of a great question or a great thing to think about because, you know, as younger people come into the workforce, I think I've read now that uh, millennials are the largest uh, cohort in the workforce now, ex- exceeding the number of baby boomers. So the world is changing, changing rapidly. And we think about uh, teamwork. We had a you know, we work a lot with the universities here in Maine to try and foster that next generation of IT workers and encourage more students to look at computer science as a, as a degree. And, you know, we meet with private companies and universities, and we had one interesting in- exchange where we were talking to the university about computer science things, and they were saying, well, we don't really do projects. And, we, you know, the business and myself and the business are all saying, we need people that can come in and work on a team. That's all this work is. It's teamwork, right? It's all working together, whether you're just an application team, but even if you're an application team, you're working with the, the core infrastructure team, you're working the database team, you're working the security team. All these things are teamwork. And, you know, if we don't have that coming out of the universities, then we have to work on that. So we need that coming out of the universities because everything is about team and that teams care for each other, right? And one of the great things we see is we – 
We do the Agile, we do the Scrum, we set up a, a separate building for that so they can have Scrum rooms and things like that. But those teams really get close, right? They really get close because they're working together a lot, and they really care for each other. You can see that's just a natural outcome of that. They care for each other, and they're to a degree protective of each other. They're excited because they see success, and they want to move forward, and they move forward. They start to think like a team as opposed to an individual, but I think your basic premise there about the care is that that's where that has to start. You have to care about each other and care for each other. I think for us, as, from a leadership perspective, you know, there are certain things we have to put in place. Do you have a vision? Where are you taking the organization? And is that vision understandable? Is it a, a one-page vision or is it a 30-page vision? And where is that consistency? And where is that ability, if you have to change direction, where is that ability to change and how do you communicate that thing? And it all comes back to sort of that idea of how do you show respect for people? How do you respect people? How do you give people a career path? How do you give people an environment where they can build? And, of course, it's under pressure, and people, you know, there's a lot of negatives about that. It's always, there's always issues, right? But how do you get people to embrace that journey? And one of the ways, obviously, is you celebrate success. You really put some time into a team gets to a, a team makes an accomplishment or an organization does. How do you celebrate that success publicly, both within your organization and outside of the organization? I tell my team all the time, you know, there are times you have to toot your own horn. You have to say, hey, look, we all work together and we got this accomplished and this is going to do X. So I think that that's a very, very important part of caring for each other is saying, let's celebrate the successes. So you mentioned uh, about team uh, is the one which kind of actually cares. And, and we, we, I wanted to continue the dialogue on the care portion. How do you humanize your IT versus a bunch of people, worker bees, cranking out one project after another? Because a lot of that uh, locker room conversations, caring, commitment, camaraderie, all of that is going to get better at least intuitively it looks like it's going to get better when you humanize whatever you do in business. What do you do specifically towards that uh, end goal? Well, I think that, um, I think part of that is goal setting, right? It's strategy and goal setting. If people say, you know, take for instance, take, take digitizing things, right? We have you know, a state organization, a lot of paper still moves around an organization, but all of a sudden you get people together and say, look, there's a different way to do things. And you get your business partners to look at workflow. And why do we do something that way? And you flow things out on a chart and all that stuff. And all of a sudden you digitize things so people have instant access to information they never had before. And you get those kind of goals. And you say to a team, here's our goal. Here's the direction where we're going. I think it really comes back to building that vision building that goal, and then people get excited about that. I mean, people want to build, want to bring efficiency in an organization. There, People are proud of what they can do. People are proud of the, having the ability to, to work with tools and take something from A to B and improve it. I mean, we had one process where, I won't go into the details of it, but it was something that was taken 40 hours to complete for, for a citizen. Well, we brought in some new software and some workflow and some imaging and things like that, and we get down to it resolves in four hours. So it went from 40 hours to four hours and made it all efficient. Well, people talk about that. People get excited about it. I still hear people talking about that accomplishment, and I think that's, that's, the, that's the sort of key to get people there. Give them a goal and then celebrate the accomplishments. And you feel that if we do that continually as part of meeting that end goal and, and celebrating, they would start 
caring for each other? Oh, I think that's a, de- a definite byproduct, and you see that. I mean, we have a, you know, three times a week we have our early morning meeting where, you know, all the different disciplines get together and say, what are the issues? How can we work together? All that kind of stuff. It is amazing what you see get done. And what can get done in 30 minutes? We say we only get 30 minutes to get through seven issues. Let's go and let's get that together. But you see those different disciplines in the in the room and how that works. And what is a thrill for me, just as a CIO, is now I'm in a position where I just sit back because those teams take those and run. I don't I don't have to. I no longer have to sort of run and push the meeting. Those teams know what needs to be done and they'll bring up issues and they'll decide how to resolve them and they'll move forward. And I think if you give people that opportunity, you know, we've all had that. That old saying, if you got to send an email five times about a subject, you know, you probably need to do it a different way. And I think a lot of that's true. How do you give people the face time? Now, it's not always possible in every organization, but we strive to do that. Let's get people together. And, you know, rather than take a two-hour meeting, let's force ourselves to do it in 30 minutes. And, and you can do it, right? And when you can do that, you can become more efficient and faster. And you see people, you see teams supporting each other. I'll take care of that. Well, you have a problem with this one. I'm going to take that one for you. And I think that's really just that humanizing technology. You know, you're humanizing what you do every day, and you're saying we do have an end goal and we do have an end customer, and we want to do better things for them. One last question for you, uh, 30 seconds or 45 seconds, which is sure. related to ethical or moral values. So what would you do? Because typically we see organizations immediately inviting HR into the picture because they don't want to deal with it. But one of the goal of a leader and an organization is to make people better human beings who may have otherwise been tempted to go in an unethical or immoral route. <laughs> that's a 35-second question. 35-second answer. That's a challenge. Take a minute. Um, that's okay. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think we can probably do it justice in just a few minutes. But I do think about, you know, it goes back to sort of that question. I'm, I'm 65 years old, and then we have people in the organization, especially interns and stuff, that are 20 or 21. You know, you think about, do I have the same belief system? Do I have the same morals and and, and sense of ethics and stuff. And I think you build that into your organization. How do you build pride into an organization? I think that's really where it comes from. You say, somebody says, no, I want to work there. This is exciting. I want to work there. We're doing great things here. I want to build, help build that organization. So I think those type of things cross generations. I think on the ethical stuff, I think that's a, that's a challenge. And we do have to, we as leaders have to be mindful that the different generations coming in, different belief values, different sort of goals in their lives, and how do we commingle all that stuff to keep us moving in the same direction? On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Jim, for taking this time. This was a very interesting discussion. We discussed a lot of different elements, and I believe uh, listeners would take away a lot of nuggets uh, which are actionable. Thank you so much again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. Please follow us on Facebook, join our LinkedIn group, and also, of course, um, look at our Facebook page and receive our newsletter. Subscribe to it, please. And uh, so this was a great conversation. We'll be back next week. And uh, so have a great day and uh, a beautiful week ahead. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.